Well, good morning, friends. This is podcast number 444 for Wednesday, December 22nd. We're in our series on the Incarnation. Again, let me apologize for my voice. I pray it's not a distraction, but I wanted to continue to to teach and get through this Christmas. <clears throat> so uh, John one fourteen is our key verse. The Incarnation, meaning again, God in human flesh. John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, you will remember that in Exodus chapter 34, I'll go ahead and turn there and you can if you want to. Genesis and then Exodus, and we'll go to verse, or chapter 34, excuse me. And we'll look at... Um, uh, Moses wanting to see God's face, and in chapter, excuse me, chapter 33 and verse 20, um, he says, But you cannot see my face, for a man shall not see me and live. 3320. Uh, and so God tells Moses, You're not going to be able to, do, get, to get your wish, you're not going to be able to see my face and live. So then he puts him in the cleft of the rock. God passes by, which we believe is a is Christ, right? It's a uh, it's a Christophany where where Jesus passes by. And then if you look at back in John chapter one, look at two verses in John chapter one. Jumping you around a little bit, John chapter one verse ten. Speaking of Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And then in verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, but he, Jesus, has made him known. That is the story of the incarnation, that God was made known by his son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, fully God. Now, I said I would uh, use a... A series, and I post the link on my page there. And I want to give full credit to Stephen J. Wellam, professor of Christian theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and we'll post that link. Um, he does a fabulous job, I believe, in teaching on this, and so I wanted to share that with you. Now, speaking of the incarnation, um, Stephen says this at the heart of Christianity. And the gospel is the person work of Jesus Christ. Apart from the word becoming flesh, John 1, 14, and the incarnate son, incarnate son of God living and dying in our place as our Savior, there's no salvation. Apart from the coming of the eternal Son, his taking on human nature and acting as our covenant rep representative, there's no hope for the world. It's a big deal. It's the biggest deal. And so... Uh, over the next few days, I want to share with you 10 things that Stephen um, Wellam shares. And um, I'll, I'll share some of his words and I'll share some of my words. Let's look at uh, number one. Write this down. The person or active subject of the incarnation is the eternal son. When it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, meaning the word is Jesus Christ. Turn back to John 1. Verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so we see that the person we're talking about in John 14, the word becoming flesh, is not the Bible. It's the word, Jesus Christ, the Logos. Um, he's div the divine son of God. And so he came and he humbled himself and submitted himself uh, to, to die on the cross for us. But the incarnation is is as we're talking obviously about his birth but the reality is without his birth there is no death jesus was born to die look at hebrews chapter 2 hebrews chapter 2 toward the back of your bible you've been with me long you you um you know where hebrews is Hebrews 2.14, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We know this to be a fact that people are afraid of death. And yet um, Jesus now has overcome the one who uses the fear of death um, to keep people in bondage. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, a familiar portion of Scripture, talking about the humiliation of Jesus Christ, meaning that he was willing to humble himself. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born... In the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. We'll get back to Philippians 2 a little bit later and look at the exaltation of Christ. But here we look at the humiliation and the reason for him to come. Now, turn to Colossians chapter 1 in, an, in a world that so desperately wants to diminish who Jesus is and to make him human, um, we see the reality is that he was 100% God and 100% man. In Colossians chapter 1, we'll look at verses 15 through 20. Speaking of Christ, it says he, he is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all. Not firstborn, meaning that he was created, but but that he was first in importance and in preeminence overall creation he was before creation for by him verse 16 all things were created if he was a created individual he couldn't create he was the uncreated who created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him we were created by christ for christ and he is before all things. That's the firstborn or the preeminent one. He was before anything was. And in him all things hold together. Jesus finished his work on the cross. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, in the first four verses there, that he continues to hold all things together. 
and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Remember, he went first, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, verse 19, when we did our series on Colossians, this was a memory verse. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or on heaven, making peace by blood, the blood of the cross. Jesus going first here, and Jesus is exactly who he said he is, and this is a proof text for that, Colossians chapter 1, great verses to memorize, that, that everything was in Christ, that everything was created by Christ and for Christ. He's not just a good man. He's not a prophet. He is he is who he says he is in John chapter 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And John 1, 18 says he makes the Father known. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, those verses that I mentioned a minute ago. Hebrews chapter 1, there's a lot here. We'll get through a few of these verses. Hebrews 1, verse 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So God intended to keep the relationship broken by man in place by speaking in various ways and through the prophets. Now, look at verse 2. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse 2 talks about now he is the mouthpiece and he is the message and he's the message on print and he's the message in person who came, he lived, and he died and all things were created through him. Uh, verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. There's a lot in that verse. But he's the radiance and the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. God does not share his glory with anyone. The scripture says, I will not share my glory with anyone. But this verse does not mean that God is giving Jesus a portion of his glory. This means that Jesus is the glory of God. He is um, He is um, God in human flesh. John 17, 6 is Jesus is, <coughs> excuse me. In his high priestly prayer, talking to his father, he says, Now, Lord, uh, now, Father, uh, I'm returning to you, so return to me the glory that I had, that I had with you before the world began. Jesus didn't begin at his conception. Jesus was before all things. And then, again, that scripture says that he holds all things together because he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is our intercessor. He makes intercession for us. Now turn back to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. If you were with me with our Colossians series, you know this verse as well. Colossians 2, 9, for in him, meaning Christ, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Remember, the Gnostic says that Jesus was an emanation or a spirit. Jesus was God in human flesh, and in him all the fullness of deity dwells. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. I love talking about my Jesus. Ephesians 1, 
22 and 23, again talking about Jesus, and he put all things under his feet, gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As God fills, um, is, is, as, as Jesus is in God in human flesh, we now, because of what Jesus has done, he's placed authority in us. We see that in Matthew chapter 28, 19, 18, 19, and 20. All authority was given to him, and then he's given that authority to us. He is the head of the body, which is his church, which we are a part of. And so Jesus' power and authority now dwells in the church. How sad it is that we have fallen so short of that and we've relinquished that authority or just not even picked it up to be um, to be Christ to a lost and a dying world that so desperately needs to know that God's not mad at them but madly in love with them. But they won't know that unless we pick up again or maybe even for the first time for some of us that authority that Christ has given us that only he could give us because that authority was given to him and he transferred it to us again, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And he goes on to say in those verses that he's with us to the end of the world. So we're not left alone to, to wield some authority as if it's our authority, it's his authority that we are allowed to, to use. Let's f finish up the Philippians uh, chapter two, the, the verses that I talked about earlier. Now I wanna finish and talk we first of all had the humiliation of Christ. Now let's look at the exaltation of Christ. Verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, oh, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory of God the Father. Jesus came the first time as our Savior. He'll come the last time. As, our, as the judge of the world, and every knee will bow. It's better to bow now than to bow later. We will bow now because we want to. People will bow later because they have to. Now let's finish up in Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters of Revelation. Um, the church, I believe, is gone. Um you don't see the church after after um, chapter 4 until the very end, after chapter 19. But we see this picture now in heaven. It's gone from John talking about what's happened on earth now to what's going on in heaven. Verse 5 says, or chapter 5, verse 1, Then I saw at the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll, a scroll written on the back, and within, sealed with seven seals, God sitting on the throne has this scroll. And then there's this teary John. And because no one is worthy to open the, the throne and he began, or open the seal that's that the Father has. And then we go down to verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We see that in Genesis 49 verse 9. Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 5, his name is Jesus Christ, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So here we have Jesus, the Lamb of God in heaven, and he's worthy to open the scroll, and he's the only one. Now look down at verses uh, 11 and 12. 
And we'll finish with these verses. Then I be, I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And then it goes on to say, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever, and it goes on to say in verse 14, and the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Who is this that they're worshiping? They're worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping our Lord and our Savior, the one who came, wrapped himself in human flesh to die for your sin and for mine. And if you haven't asked him to forgive you of your sins, can you take a moment now and just do that? It is, it is simply realizing that the one that we're talking about today is the one who came, who lived a sinless life, who died and rose again. The Bible says in Romans 3.10 that, that no one has done good, no, not one. There's no good people in heaven, only forgiven people. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages or what we get for that sin is death, not just physical death, but spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I pray for you today that you would yield your life to him and realize there is so much more to this life than just the, the accumulation of goods and wealth and and all of those things that the world says is success. Can I tell you that Jesus came, humbled himself, to, to the point of death, even death on the cross, for your sin and for mine. My friend, take advantage of that today and ask him to come into your life. Let me close in prayer. and A blessing, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. God bless you until we talk again. <laughs>